Well, I just have one question for you. Are you ready to win? Winning with Waterfall Racing Podcast is all about helping you achieve your goals through our community. We have an incredible community of top age groupers, of beginners, of the most incredible pros, and we all come together to support each other. And we want you to be a part of the journey with us. All right. So what I love about Waterfall is the community of people willing to share their resources and knowledge. I've only been involved in the sport for a couple of years. uh, And so I have a lot to learn and people are just very friendly and willing to share tips on uh, training, nutrition, uh, different races. Um, People are excited to meet up and get together. Uh, And then one thing that I think is really unique is the opportunity to talk to pros and kind of pick their brains. I, I really enjoy watching YouTube highlights of races and learning about some of the pros and how they rose and, uh, you know, developed their, you know, built their success and uh, being able to talk to them directly uh, is, is really special. We always love hearing from our members. That was a comment from Jamie Furman. As you know, triathlon is addicting. It's addicting because we become addicted to bettering ourselves, to growing ourselves, to seeing how far we can push the limits of our physical capabilities. And it starts with the mental mindset as well. The strength begins there. So come with us as we learn about health, as we learn about tips, as we learn about gear, as we learn about what our pros are up to. And as most importantly, we support each other through this journey. Welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Well, we are here the weekend following Thanksgiving, and I hope you guys had an incredible time with family and friends, and I hope you really just took the time to stop and reflect and be grateful. I know it was a really special Thanksgiving for me. We had uh, two of our kids from college come home, so we had a house with uh, four kids in it. Our oldest son, who's married, uh, he'll be coming home at Christmas, so we're looking forward to that. But it was just nice to be surrounded by family. And um, the good news is my voice is slowly coming back. They say give it about three weeks uh, post being on a ventilator. So I'm hoping that uh, within another week or so, my voice will be back strong and back to normal and uh, I'll be feeling a lot more like myself. But thanks for everybody that reached out. Uh, It meant so much to me to just feel the love. And um, I was excited to get back some light training this week. It really just kind of made me feel, you know, halfway back to normal. And um, I was so grateful, actually, every time I I got a little session in. So big reframing of, uh, you know, the how I look at working out and being able to be active. But let's jump into our health segment with Dr. Barker, which also has a personal twist for me. And then we're going to get into our interview with our very own Danielle Lewis, queen of the run record for Ironman Arizona, such a comeback story. I can't wait for you to hear uh, the interview with her. Well, welcome to the health segment uh, portion of our show with Dr. Jason Barker. He's a health and endurance physician. He's actually has his clinic up in Fort Collins. And today's topic, we're going to talk about cardiovascular health. And this is near and dear to me because it was something I faced. Um, it's actually how I found 
Dr. Jason Barker when I went to the regular physician and um, they just wanted to medicate me and told me to chill out from my activities. And I wasn't okay with that. So I reached out and found uh, Jason Barker and we were able actually to work through that. So Jason, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for being here as usual. Thanks for being my personal physician. My pleasure. <laughs> you me know down. all the ins and outs of me, so I would say we're we're good friends. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> Can't hide anything from you. Uh, but let me just tell my story real quickly, and then we'll jump into uh, some of the you know health advice from Dr. Barker. So at the end of my first year of doing Ironmans, uh, it was really sad actually. An athlete, my last race of the year was Ironman Cozumel. And uh, athlete who had been to Kona, I think a few times. So he was a top, you know, age group athlete. Actually, when he jumped into the swim, he had a heart attack and died. Uh, that was eye-opening, obviously for everybody at the race, but especially for me as a new Ironman competitor, I was like, wow, you know, like I need to make sure I'm keeping up, even though I feel like I'm in incredible shape. Right. So I went back and um, it was the end of the year. It's usually a stressful time for me with work. I was feeling like weird stuff in my heart, which later finding out had nothing to do with what they found. But I just thought there was something telling me, go get a heart screening, which was really odd. Uh, and I went, I got a heart screening. And when do you know it? They found heart disease. They found an aneurysm in my ascending aorta. And I was left in complete shock because even prior to doing Ironmans, my whole life I've eaten very healthy. I've always been active. And I was like, this isn't fair. Like, what is this? Come to find out, I had a family history of high cholesterol, which, had, which I had no idea my cholesterol was high. They found that out. And when I went to the, um, the specialist, he pretty much said, take a statin. And why don't you just chill out a little bit? And that I wasn't okay with that because I had just gotten, you know, done my first year. I was so excited. I wanted to continue to grow. So I looked up. I knew I needed a different opinion. I found you on LinkedIn. I saw health and performance. I had seen a lot of your content, which resonated with me. And you were an Ironman competitor, endurance athlete. And I was like, this guy's going to understand, you know, what I'm going through and, and yeah. hopefully have other options. And we actually did. The first thing we did was run um, blood test. Um, and you put me on an incredible supplement. It's like they're like cholesterol tabs is what it says. I'm mm -hmm. not even sure what else in it, but it's an all natural type supplement instead of the statins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just want to stay here. Never do this without a, a physician's, you sure. know, overseeing you, but you, you, we did close monitoring. We ran blood tests again to make sure my cholesterol was coming down. And wouldn't you know it within a year that next year I went in to have my, my heart screening again, all of the pipe buildup was gone. And the aneurysm had gotten so small that they said if they weren't looking for it, they probably wouldn't see it. I'm sold, Dr. Barker. I'm sold. <laughs> you know, it's so important that you get a second opinion, that you have somebody that understands the athlete and what we're putting our body through. Um, because even blood markers can show up so different if we just had an intense race or we just had an intense training session. And unless they're a physician like you who knows what to look for, that you know, they could get it wrong. Um, so let's get into cardiovascular health, what we can be doing, what screenings we need, being that it's February, it's heart health month too. So this mm -hmm. is a really, you know, prevalent topic. So all that you, you know, what, what do we need to be doing consistently to keep our heart healthy? Yep. That's a, um, great intro and a great story on your part. And I would just, you know, capitalize on that is because 
just because somebody is fit and healthy and eats well doesn't mean that they have zero risk of heart disease. Mm -hmm. Heart disease being, you know, plaque buildup in the coronary arteries or the other arteries of our body. So, um, you know, and tragically, we hear about this every year, just like the person in your race, you know, a very, very fit person, and they die suddenly and usually from some form of heart disease. And so that doesn't make us immune. And my big um, quest, so to speak, is that um, I want to educate people more about that there's more to preventing heart disease than just getting a standard cholesterol test. So a basic cholesterol test is going to say you have X amount of total cholesterol, you've got X amount of HDL, your good cholesterol, so much LDL, bad cholesterol, and triglycerides. And so just because your cholesterol levels are low does not rule out that a person has heart disease brewing. Um, because it's there's a lot more to it than just cholesterol levels. And what I'm getting at is that if you mix cholesterol with inflammation, so any type of you know <clears throat> specific type of inflammatory process in our bodies, that is what causes the heart disease. So okay. we've all heard the stories of, you know, where I've run into people who are super fit and they've got a very high cholesterol level right. and they have zero evidence of heart disease. Right. And then on the flip side, you get somebody who has healthy, normal cholesterol levels, and yet they have tons of heart disease and sometimes people end up having heart attacks or even or, or dying from this. So um, I like to run more specialized uh, cholesterol tests. These kind of dig down deeper into looking at um, the size and the shape and the density of cholesterol molecules and also looking at different types of um, there's more. There are other types of cholesterol than just the HDL and the LDL you hear about. And then we're also measuring inflammatory markers. So these are just chemicals that are floating around in our bloodstream that um, how healthy you are if you're an age grouper, you really need to get this done. Absolutely. And let me just say the heart screening, it sounds intimidating, so simple, so easy. Right. Um, I paid out of pocket, it was a hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. And usually in February, hospitals will run a, a special. I mean, literally I ran, I was in and out in 30 minutes and you just lay there, you, you go in and out of the machine, come out. I mean, it was no big deal at yep. all, not invasive at all. Uh, so, you know, why not go, go get your heart screening? Because like I said, I would have never had a clue or dreamed yeah. I needed to go get a heart screening. Yeah. And that's the best, you know, that's the best technology we've got now. You can get the coronary calcium score. You can also get a carotid, carotid intima media thickness or CIMT. That's where they're doing ultrasound on your carotid arteries okay. up here. And they can look for plaque there, but really looking at the heart is really the best way to do this. And like you said, it's, hundred bucks out of pocket, 200 bucks out of pocket. Yeah. To me, it's like, okay, Nothing. let's spend a couple hundred dollars um, yeah. preventing them. Making you know, sure I live. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, the it's, cost is nothing. Yeah. The cost yeah. is nothing for yeah. that. So that would be, what I would just tell people is don't just um, get your basic lipid panel done and zippity doo -dah, I'm healthy because I'm a triathlete. It's, sure. just, it's just not. Sure, you can't take it for granted. Can't yeah. take it for granted. I mean, common enough, but it's also, um, well, it, it's rare, but it does happen. You know, we yeah. all have these stories of people we know that suffered from something like this. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people find you if they have any questions? What would be the best way to reach out? So I'm up in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and my um, website is fortcollins-naturalmedicine.com. Okay, so okay. Okay, feel free to reach out, or you can even send in questions to our waterfallracing at gmail.com, and I can uh, put you in touch with Dr. Barker. Yeah. Thanks so much. Well, I am here with Danielle Lewis, one of our waterfall racing pros. And first of all, I just want to preface the fact that, Danielle, I really appreciate just how interactive you are with us age groupers. And it seems like you're always just so detailed in your answers and, um, you know, just so, so helpful. So, you know, thank you for that. That's definitely a 
you know, yeah. something I've really noticed about you uh, as one of the, the waterfall racing pros. And I love being on the Discord channel. But we want to jump in right into Ironman Arizona. But we can't get into that without building off of, you know, two very challenging races that you had leading into this because it kind of adds to the whole story and adds and makes the victory and and the win even sweeter. So let's start off, you know, we, we, so we have Texas a little bit. You could touch on that just a little bit. And then St. George, the disappointment, um, you know, right before having, you know, an accident and then that, you know, affecting your, your race into St. George and, you know, just touch on those two. And what was going through your mind and, you know, how were you feeling and how did those play into how you felt leading into Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. I've been, um, you know, excited that you guys have been uh, doing the podcast for some time now and um, just honored to be part of it. Um, and then also thank you for that kind introduction. You know, I also enjoy being part of the discord and, um, interacting with a lot of the age group athletes. Um, you know, there's a lot of information out there and all the information is not necessarily good information. And, and I'm not saying that all my information is like the best and the only, (laughs) but, um, you know, if there, if I feel like there's opportunities to kind of chime in and try to provide the best information that I can, then I, then I want to do that and try to give back and help out as much as possible. So, um, it's, yeah, it's been fun to be part of that. Now going into Ironman, Arizona, this has been, uh, gosh, really my a race, um, for most of the year. Um, obviously I wanted to do well at Ironman, Texas, and that was my first full, Um, and my, my goal there was to get a Kona slot and also just to perform and do what I knew what I was capable of doing, you know, everything on paper going into that race said that I should have a spectacular day, um, and had, you know, a chance of being on the podium. Um, but I made some poor nutrition choices and I ended up consuming maybe a third of, not even a third, um, I guess it would be a quarter of the sodium that I needed for the day. I was supposed to take in, we figured this out after the fact, about 12 grams of sodium throughout the course of the day. And I took in maybe three. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So I started cramping pretty badly about mile 60 on the bike. Um, I've never been in so much pain or discomfort on a bike. Um, And it was so windy out there. And so like, I was just having all sorts of issues, even just like controlling the bike because my hips were locked up. I couldn't ride an arrow. I had to stop at a couple aid stations just to like start chugging Gatorade. Um, Just because there was like so many other athletes on course, I couldn't safely like weave in and get what I needed. I had to yeah. just physically stop and start chugging Gatorade. And, um, I, you know, I got to the end of the bike and I started the run and I was like, okay, I'm doing okay because running uses some different muscles than cycling. Yeah. Um, and so I, I managed to stay in the third position through about halfway on the run, but then the sodium depletion caught up with me again. And I just, it just turned into like a run walk you know, sit on a cooler and cry for a few minutes oh. and then just do, do whatever it takes yeah. to get to the finish line. Because I always said that my number one goal was just to finish the race, you know? So, yeah. um, 
yeah, I, I did that. It wasn't pretty, but I did that. <laughs> um, but I did cross the finish line. And I'm like, okay, when can I sign up for another full? <laughs> I, you know, and I, I, I honestly, I just wanted to sign up for the next one that I could possibly do. So I'm like, I want to get a Kona slot. And I know that I just want to do it again. Like I just, that didn't showcase like what I knew I could do. And um, my coach and, and my husband, Andrew, both had to kind of talk me off a cliff. They're like, okay, listen, you can't force Ironman and you can't force chasing Kona slots. Like you just, yeah. those are two bad ideas. So I was like, oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> so no Kona this year, maybe next year. Um, you know, then, then what's the game plan for the rest of this year? And um, yeah. So then, then a few races after that went well, I, I ended up winning Oregon 70.3. Um, and then after Oregon, I haven't had a good race. I haven't really had a good race since then. I did uh, Boulder and Boulder was kind of like, I had no, I had no expectations going into the race. I actually took about a week off. Um, I like to take a mid-year break uh, just to kind of reset the body and mind. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't like, I mean, my training just was what it was. There was nothing that I was trying to do in Boulder, but then in Boulder, I had some pretty bad breathing issues on the run and had to stop a few times. And um, yeah, that wasn't pretty. Um, and then after that, uh, well, I think we were, we also went to Edmonton for the PTO race. I, that was a bad day. Um, just a bad performance. And then what else? Um, gosh. Oh, oh, oh. It was the PTO race in Dallas. Yeah, 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 we all watched that. So this was a weird occurrence because never in the history of long course triathlon has there ever been a lap out rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, leave it to the PTO to, you know, do some new things. And I understand the reasoning. Um, the, they they want to create a spectator-friendly experience. Okay, great. You know, if we have like seven laps on the bike, then spectators can stay in one spot and see the athletes come through seven different times. Um, so, okay. And then logistically you close down less roads. Um, and then the reason they had to enforce a lap out rule is, is I learned this after the fact, uh, was for safety issues, because if you had, um, let's say a lead athlete coming through into T2 so they're dropping their bike off, they're getting their stuff for the run, and then they're heading out on the run. And then you have a lapped athlete coming in behind them at a high speed on their bike, there's a safety issue. And so that was the purpose for the lap out rule. Um, gotcha. And I had a, I just had a, I had a really awful swim. Um, and my swim is my greatest area of opportunity. Um, and so then at, uh, at Dallas, you know, and I'm, you're competing against, you know, some the best triathletes in the world. And honestly, the PTO fields are deeper than like 70.3 worlds. Sure, um, sure. Because you got this yeah, ITU and I mean, everything mm -hmm. is fast. <laughs> yeah, it's more, it's much more competitive. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I ended up, it was like my, it was like, oh gosh, I was so close to not getting lapped out. I was fighting really hard, but I saw Taylor Nib coming and she's one of the strongest cyclists in the field right now. And she was charging hard and anyway, so that happened. And then, um, the wet world, I'm like, okay, 
I'm actually training through Worlds for Arizona because Arizona to me was more important. Um, but then the day before, but I thought, but I thought going into Worlds, you know, if I go in with a good amount of bike fitness, I know my run is good. Um, I could probably still have a decent day. Um, yeah. But then the day before I had just a really stupid incident on the bike and ended up sticking my front wheel in about three inches um, of this deep gravel sand, whatever oh. it was, um, and ended up just kind of falling over and landing oh, right that... on my, yeah, I landed on my hip and it was um, really bruised up and kind of every, all the musculature surrounding the hip was pretty locked up afterwards. And um, the morning of the race, um, I guess I, I, gosh, gosh, it hurt so bad when I was doing my run warm up. It was like jogs, stop, sit and cry, jogs, oh. stop, sit and cry. I was an emotional wreck. Oh. Yeah, my husband was just trying to calm me down. And um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start the race. Let's just let's do the swim. Let's get on the bike. I know I won't have any issues on the bike. Um, and then we can always start the run and then we'll just see how, how it goes. Maybe it'll yeah. be loosened up by the time I get to the run. But I did the swim um, and then started the bike. And then on the bike, I had a mechanical issue and I couldn't shift um, into my big chain ring. Um, cause I, I had accidentally shifted down to the small one. Okay. No big deal. I'll just shift it right back up, but it wouldn't go back up. Oh, no. uh, and so the issue, cause at that point I thought, Oh great. This is going to be a really long bike ride. Yeah. <laughs> Riding in my small chain ring the whole time. Um, you know, it, might, it probably wouldn't have been an issue if St. George was a flat course. Right. But, right. Yeah, yeah, there's no but, way. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. So going up the climbs, okay, you're you're fine. But the the issue is, you know, you're going down and then you you're down and then you're into like some of the flats. Right. And that would mean a lot of minutes of basically not generating any power. Right. Right. And it was so cold in St. George. It was, you know, the temperatures were in the upper thirties. Yeah, I think when we got on the bikes, um, and you're, you know, you're coming out of the water, you're wet, you try to put on some gear and get warm, but I couldn't generate enough power on the bike to get my core warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Especially so that started, first section is flat, you know, when you first come out that little out and that. Yeah. 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 So I was fine for the first 30 minutes, but it was, um, we had a pretty long descent and I, I started shivering. My legs started shivering. I felt, I started feeling really unstable because I couldn't control my body. Yeah. Uh, and so then at that point I was like, okay, you know, I, I got, let's, let's pull over and let's talk with the, um, the, um, sorry, the mecha the mechanics came by. Okay. Uh, and so what, and so I was like, okay, let me see if I can get my bike fixed. So if I can get my bike fixed, maybe I can get back on and try again. Um, but when I stepped off the bike, that that hip locked up again, Ugh. and it was in so much pain. I said, "Okay, can I just get in your car and done?" <laughs> like, oh goodness! And it's so hard to make that call. It's so hard. I can't imagine. Yeah, I didn't have much of an option, quite honestly, because yeah. I I didn't I just didn't feel safe at that yeah. point getting back on the bike. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, good, 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 good call. But meanwhile, mentally, where are you now? You know, so after these two races, 
you know, mm-hmm. I mean, even after Dallas, even after, I mean, mentally, it's like, you got to dig deep and you got to keep telling yourself, like, I'm, I'm going to get through this. This, this isn't, you know what I mean? This isn't the the extent of, of my potential mm-hmm. right here. You know, and you got to believe that you got to keep telling yourself mm-hmm. that. It's true. You know, I have um, been lucky or blessed or whatever you want to call it the past several years, because I haven't really had a lot of adverse races Mm -hmm. when a lot of things just kind of went wrong. And so I kind of just chalked up, chalked it up to time and experience. The longer that you do something, anything is just the greater likelihood that you're going to have more experiences. I'm like, well, I guess all those experiences are happening one after the other. Right. And I've seen a lot of athletes that, have had some adverse things happen, whether it was in their control or not, but yet they can come back and have a breakout performance or they can have the race of their life. Yeah. Um, so just because I was going through those things, it didn't mean that was, that's what's expected next. Right. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't put myself in a place of just expecting bad things to happen. Exactly. Uh, no, I love know. it. And, and, you know, that's part of the mindset of endurance that we build because, you know, so many times, even when you hop off the bike and you start to run, you know, sometimes you just got to know these first couple of miles are going to feel like hell. And then I kind of mm-hmm. get into it, you know, and, and the same thing, you know, if you're going through a dark season, you have to frame it as just, this is just a dark season. Like this, are just a few mm-hmm. things that keep happening over and over, but like, it's going to turn around for me. <laughs> it's going to turn around. You got to believe in yourself. Uh, yeah. So I love that. I love that. You have to, you know, and honestly, it, it might sound cliche, but it's true. It's those dark moments that make the bright ones even brighter. Right. Uh, if everything was always good all the time, you just wouldn't appreciate the good. Right. As, as much as it, it should be. So. Right. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So we're headed into Arizona. How are you feeling fitness wise? Um, you know, are you where you want to be? The hips good now? Um, you know, what were your expectations and what were you looking at going into Arizona? Yeah. You know, after all those experiences, I definitely had a, there was obviously some lingering little doubts in the back of my head. It's like, okay, the last two races were DNF. It kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Let's focus on this race. And I had, I was feeling really good. Um, my fitness was, um, great. You know, I'm the fittest that I've ever been. I'm running faster than I've ever run. Uh, my bike power is as good as it's been. I'm actually swimming faster than I've ever swam. So there was a lot of indicators that said that I was ready. Um, and we did a pretty big taper going into this. I think it was about, oh my gosh, it was almost two weeks of tapering. Okay. And the last like few days I told my coach, I was like, man, I just feel like this taper is like just two or three days too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, I like, I feel it's starting to feel kind of like soft and, you know, it's cause it's like a lot of days of like, Oh, maybe 30 minutes of exercise. Yeah. It's like, this is so it's, you know, it's funny because he said, um, that <laughs> you're just starting to feel like a normal human because yeah. <laughs> for like an endurance athlete, our normal is usually like dragging 
and hungry and tired and sore. Like that's our baseline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you got to stretch just that when you get up in the morning, just to walk to the bathroom and, and that's normal, you know, it's like, uh-huh. just to make it to the bathroom. I've got to kind of lay here a minute and stretch so that yeah. when my feet hit the ground, I can walk. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. not normal. <laughs> and he referenced, um, a lot of, um, pros like Crowey and some of the other well-known like triathletes that basically just like to do nothing the few what? days before a race wow and wow. yeah it just it just really gets the body very relaxed um yeah. and so i just had to trust his word on some of this uh because obviously once again as triathletes we're kind of high strung and we want to like yeah. do 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 right. instead of just like chill out right have a glass right. of wine sit down, watch a movie, chill out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways, that was um, the, the, the days leading into Arizona. And so my goals for the race is, uh, well, number one, once again, it's truly always just to finish the thing. Yeah. Uh, just that, that happens because if you don't finish then nothing else is going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, and then two, if we want to th- think about results first and then maybe go into some of the process goals. So results, I did believe that a podium was possible, but I also really wanted to win the race. That was something that I was focused on for several months going into it. Yeah. Um, I knew how training was going and I just knew what was possible based on what I was seeing. Um, but then as far as like some of the specifics in the race, uh, the priority was the swim. Uh-huh. because I knew that if I came out of the water at a one hour swim, that I could bike my way into podium contention. Right. I, I also figured that if I came out at like one Oh five, then I would probably have to run my way back into the mix. Okay. Uh, and then if I came out faster than an hour, I'd probably be in new territory where I'd actually be having to um, like maybe work with some other athletes, uh, maybe being in the lead. That's yeah. a territory that I, I'm just, it's unfamiliar to me. The one other yeah. time that I've been out of the water quick and was with, um, some lead people was it was an organ. Right. That's when right. I came off the bike with Heather Jackson. Um, and so that was, that was a new experience. And so I knew that if I was faster than an hour, then that would probably be the case again. And that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, if I look back at everything. Yeah. Cause um, you were right at an hour, you hit your swim right at an hour. Yeah. You were like what ninth out of the water. Or, I mean, you were right there. Uh, yeah. I th- well, it was 10th. Um, okay. I think so the results might show ninth because of athletes dropping out of the race. Okay. And not finishing. Okay. Um, you were right. But I came out of the pack. Yeah. Front pack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the race was interesting because there wasn't really a defining pack. There was a lot of like single swimmers. Okay. And then in, I was with a small group. There was at least at least three of us at the end and maybe about five of us early on. Okay. Okay. Um, and that was actually cool because I was like leading the pack for a long time. Like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Here we go. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how great did it feel to run out of the water like that, knowing, you know what, I'm right on. Um, you know, or oh, did you, you know see? right off when you came out? I mean, did you have a yeah. sense of, okay, okay. I had my watch on, so okay. I knew that I was. I I saw You're like I'm it, in the game. It was an yeah. hour. Yeah, I was like whoa, okay, like this is really good. Yeah, I mean, I I knew that Lauren, Brandon, and Sarah were way up the road, right? Because they're super fast swimmers. I figured yeah. Sky was probably three to five minutes ahead of me. 
Okay. Uh, and that's just because I, you know, I studied athletes before, yeah, before racing. And, and if you look back, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, so, so you're right on plan. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always really nice when you get into T1 and you still see a whole bunch of bikes there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're like, I'm in the game. This is going exactly as planned. Let's do this. It's such a, it's such a great way to start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the swimmers out there might not appreciate this much, but like for those other athletes that are like me and you're usually the last bike in T1, (laughs) they understand how important that is. Well, and let me tell you from an age grouper perspective. Yeah. The swim, I still have PTSD from my first little race when I was literally dead last and I was just like I don't ever want to do that again so I'm always if I come out um, you know and there's still tons of bikes I'm so excited it's such a great way to start and you don't feel like Mm -hmm. you're starting from behind having to you know catch work so hard to catch up so it's a great it's I can fully appreciate it even from like an age group standpoint okay so you get on the bike everything goes smooth transition Um, Mm -hmm. who are you riding with who did you start uh, riding Mm -hmm. with well, I th- actually, I had passed the other two girls that came out of the water. They came out of the water just a few seconds ahead of me. I passed them okay. in transition. So I got on the bike ahead of them. Okay. So that meant that I was basically alone on the bike. Okay. Um, and, you know, I had my race plan um, and my coach has done this course before, so he's familiar with it. Um, and so we knew that we wanted to push a little bit of a higher power on the way out on the climb. Okay. Okay. And then basically just find as much speed as possible and recover on the way back in because it would be a really fast kind of descent and then um, way back into town. Okay. So the first loop, uh, I was really on point. I actually had to keep kind of holding myself back a bit because I could tell that I would creep towards some higher ends of where I needed to be. But I was like, okay, hold on. Like, this is a long day relax, calm it down, just stay at your target. Um, And so then I made it through the first loop and then I was headed out onto the second loop when I just felt a pretty quick flat in my rear. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, oh gosh, is this really happening? It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's flat. And how crazy that the, 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 you know, the media was right there and that's what all eyes were seeing you stand there asking for people. And then eventually you got to the point where you're asking and like everyone's heart is just breaking. And it's funny. You even commented, you said you were gutted. I was gutted. And we're just like, no, no, to see this is so heartbreaking. So walk us through all of that. Uh, well, you know how the, how the course was set up, it was fairly narrow in this section. There was a lot of age group athletes that were just getting on the course for their first, uh, lap around. Um, I was coming in for my second, we had a barrier on the left and the right was also kind of like barricaded. So there wasn't really like a safe spot until that spot where I stopped was the safest spot for me to pull over. There was a gap. Um, there and because of there was an intersection and that's where I saw the moto and I thought maybe this is a mechanic moto Um, but if it's not a mechanic moto then at least maybe they can call for help so yeah Yeah. I stop and I asked them hey can you get the mechanic moto do you know where the mechanic moto is and (laughs) 
Uh, he's like, uh, no, we don't have their number. We don't know how to get a hold of them. What? I'm like, oh my you, goodness. I literally was like, how do you not know how to get a hold of them? What? <laughs> I mean, goodness. Surely they have walkie-talkies or something. <laughs> and what was weird, so if, I mean, if you watch the coverage, you keep seeing me like look down the road because yeah. I'm not kidding. Maybe three I flatted, I had passed the mechanic moto on the bike. I, so I kept looking. I'm like, okay, sure enough, like he's going to come around the corner down there. Yeah. He's got to come around the corner. I literally just passed him not that long ago. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I, I keep looking. I keep looking. Like, is there, are they coming? Not coming? He does. These people don't know how to get a hold of him. And I'm like, is there anybody you can call that can call the mechanic moto? And I said, we'll call the director. And then I just see the guy starting filming me. I'm like, okay, oh my no, you don't goodness. need to film this, really. Like, it's fine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You don't need to film this, please. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So um, how, how much? Oh, that's like the worst luck, too, you know? I mean, but for them, this is the great story, right? So, of course, they're going to film it. <laughs> it's just a story at the time. Yeah. You don't know yeah. what it's going to be, but yeah. it's a story. Yeah. Um, okay, so then... After a few minutes, um, I learned that because there was like a police officer that was manning intersection two and somehow he got in touch with the moto and we were told that the moto had like 10 other issues he was working on. So we don't know how long it's going to be. Okay. Well, great. And now this whole time too, I'm kicking myself because I didn't pack a flat kit and honestly not well, I, I just kind of forgot, like I kind of had planned to bring one, but it wasn't a huge priority in my mind with like everything else that goes into an Iron Man. Right. It's just something that just didn't quite get done, you know, and I'm kind of a yeah. blonde by nature. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to any blondes out there, but like, yeah, I tend to just kind of have airhead moments, you know, and yeah, um, and on, like, there's a lot of, a lot of pros don't even carry one for whatever reason. I guess they're yeah. just dependent on the, the motos. mechanic motos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but then also often if you flat your day is pretty much done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, it's, I think at this point moving forward, I'll always pack um, a spare just because I can change a flat quickly. And at most I would have lost two two maybe maybe three minutes but i'd say closer to like two two and a half minutes or so yeah yeah um so anyways uh we learned that the mechanic mode was gonna take some time and so then i just start thinking what can i do what are my options um and i i well i felt bad asking people because at the end of the day it's my responsibility and it's nobody's responsibility to potentially risk their race yeah. for my mistake. Right. And so I really, I hem hawed around about this for a while because I, you, you saw the coverage. I'm kind of awkwardly standing there I and I kind of, <laughs> I kind of sheep, I, I really sheepishly start asking, do you have a spare? That's so sad. It was so heartbreaking. Oh my goodness. <laughs> And then the athletes pass me and you can see, they just look at me and they just keep looking at me as they go by and then <sighs> more, they just look at me. And then some of them are just like, Oh no, sorry. Some of them are like, Oh crap. And then I also see like some of my competition that I had passed a long time ago. Yeah. Like, oh man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure you're sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause at this <laughs> yeah. point you were, did you know you were in, you were in fourth? 
at this oh, yeah. point? Yeah. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh. so yeah, so I saw the competition passing, but eventually it was just kind of, I just tried to be a little bit more assertive. I held up the wheel. I held up the tire, tried to make it more obvious. Do you have a spare? Do you have a spare? Do you have a spare? Um, and eventually this um, nice, because you can't take any assistance from anybody that's not in the race, right? And so like, mm-hmm. even if my husband was to walk all the way down there and show up with everything I needed, I could not take that from him. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. But, um, I mean, from my understanding, if there's other athletes on course that want to give you something, then that's you not can. a big deal. Okay. It's just, um, any outside assistance. So okay. somebody from that's not in the race. Okay. And so, yeah. So this gentleman stopped, um, this guy named Justin and I've actually been in communication with him after so um, awesome. the race. Yeah. And he, so this, this is a cool story and I haven't shared this, uh, anywhere. Cause I just found out, he said that he never carries a flat kit in races. Um, but a few days before the race, he had a flat and he thought it was just wise, you know, to go ahead and just carry some extra stuff in case he had another flat. Cause we all know that when you get the flat bug, it comes in threes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, yeah. Right. It's like once yeah. you have one, you know, another one's going to come and then one yeah. more probably going to come too. So he ended up carrying two tubes, two CO2s. Oh, and he wow. also had a, yeah, he also had a hand pump. Oh, um, wow. So he's like, well, I guess it was just meant to be. Uh, so so cool. I thought that was a, a cool story. And he ended up so cool. watching the coverage back with his daughters um, on, you know, the Monday after the race. And so they got to see their daddy being a superhero, which is oh, cool. Oh, <laughs> what a guy. And what's his name? Are you allowed to say what his name is? Yeah. Yeah. His name's Justin. And Okay. Big from- shout out to Justin. They- <laughs> wow. What an example. It's so, so awesome. What a game changer too for you to have somebody willing to take the time to do that. So thank you, yeah. Justin. Big shout out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once um, I got the, the, I got the tube changed quickly and I got back on the bike and and now you're fired yeah. up, aren't you? I mean, you are fired yeah. up. <laughs> Definitely. I just started assessing things because I was watching my clock the whole time. And, um, you know, you see the minutes tick away. But then also it's like, okay, I lost 20 minutes. Think about this. 20 minutes over the course of an Ironman. It's a long time. Yeah. But yeah. It, 20 minutes doesn't, that, that won't break your day. At least knowing the skills that I had with the bike and the run, I didn't think that it was going to break my day. Um, so I was like, how do I rectify this? You know, it's like you, it's, I I said it kind of in my post referencing, just like looking at all the cards that you have on the table, you know, when you start the race, your, your set of cards is one thing, but as the race goes on, those cards kind of change. Right. And based on this new information, how can I still make the most of this? I knew that I was going to have to push much bigger power on the climbs to try to get back as much time as I could. Um, and then just use the downhills to try to still maximize speed, um, but then recover as best as I could as well. Right. Uh, and so that just really became the focus and, and still sticking with the nutrition plan. Um, I did have, I did take in more nutrition than, I uh, was originally planning on because I was standing on the side of the road for 20 minutes. So That's smart. Yeah. 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 So knowing that I did go ahead and take in some more, some more carbs. And uh, I was thankful that I brought that along. 
um, yeah, and so I could tell that I was making up some time because then I started passing some of my other competition that I saw roll past me when I was standing. Oh, that felt good. That felt good, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, okay. I, I know I'm making up some ground. Just stay focused. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's a long day. And yeah, that's pretty much it on the bike. Okay. So you, okay. So now you're into T2. You're getting off the bike and you're probably wondering because you pushed a little extra effort than you had planned, right? Mm -hmm. um, extra power, extra effort. So now you're thinking, okay, how am I going to be able to execute? I mean, now you have no choice. You've got to execute the run, you know, full speed, hold nothing back. But it's kind of that mm -hmm. question, am I going to have it to do that? Uh, and mm -hmm. did you already have going into this race the the goal to break the record on the run? I mean, was that your goal? You no. Know? Okay. That okay. was maybe like like a of reach goal it was like okay. there was a few other things that would have ha that would have to happen okay in order for me to be able to do that okay. okay um and so that wasn't like a right away thing i knew that i wanted to run under three hours okay but that that that's it just okay. three hours was the goal um or okay. fasting three hours but then okay. any faster than that i would have had to um gotten to about 20k or sorry okay. Uh, 20, 20 miles or about 10k to go i would have to get that point with the record to be in sight in order to get the record okay okay was kind of what i had in my head so okay yeah when i started the run the first like m mile i i generally like so i have a kind of a goal pace of where i want to be but at the same time I just try to be really in tune with what my body is feeling. Sure. And then, and then I'll just look at what the first mile is. It's kind of right. like a, let's do the first mile, see what the pace is, see how the body's feeling and then adjust. Right. Um, and so my legs didn't feel spectacular the first mile. It took about two miles for my legs to start feeling great. But then once I got through two miles, honestly, I just felt like I was out for a Sunday long run and I was having oh so goodness. much fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. What a dream. That's everyone's dream to get to the run and feel like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think some I, of that I, was the adrenaline and the push of the day of, you know, having to, to fight back on the bike, having to know now that you're coming, you know, from a deficit and, um, you know, how do you think any of that played into, you know, you kind of reversed the mind into that, you know, into, hey, I, this is like another chance. I have another chance. Let's do this. I think it did. You know, this was not unfamiliar territory to me, right? Because right. in my history of racing, I'm generally coming back on the bike and the run right, right. and having to play catch up all day. So right. I've been in this situation before. Um, I think that if I had had a clean race, I would have come off the bike um, and probably been close early on in the run to being side by side with yeah. Sky and Sarah. And that would have been a completely different race. Yeah. Um, you know, and I haven't, I've haven't been in that situation before, so I can't, I don't know how I would have handled it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, maybe just for my headspace how the day played out it was a good thing i guess yeah because yeah. you were in your race you were just in your mm -hmm. race your run um so you're feeling great um i mean were there any points during the run though where you were just like okay you know you got mm -hmm. it to a low or, or to a dark spot or um or well, was the whole run just 
great. Yeah, no, the whole run wasn't just great. <laughs> um, I went through the halfway point at a 124. So that's what? a 248 oh, my. Ha- wow. uh, projected time. And I was like, okay, wow. Well, <laughs> that's, insane. That, that, that's insane. Yeah. And I, and I just knew there's, I just, I, this was really like the first marathon that I've really ever run because Texas in my head doesn't count. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that I would have a drop off. It's yeah. just, it's inevitable. When? It happens to everybody at some point, but the, it's just, when is it going to happen? Right. So when I went through the half, I still felt really good, but I knew that it was coming. Yeah. Um, and it probably was about mile, I want to say 18, when I really started to feel some of the heavy legs. Yeah. Uh, my, my system, the cardio, all of that's still good, but the, the legs started fatiguing and it just became a little bit harder to maintain the same pace. Right. right. Um, there was a few times that I got a little desperate and took maybe a few too many chugs of Coke on course. Okay. Okay. Because I'm like, I, I need something yeah, right, just yeah, to keep me yeah. going. Um, and there was a few aid stations that I, well, most of the aid stations I, I did kind of like jog through just to make sure I got what I needed. Um, there was a few that I stopped to get ice or I stopped to like to make sure that I could get the Coke down. Um, but I think when I, there's a few, when I ever took a little bit too much cook, I got a bit, you know, frothy at the, the yeah. mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't yeah. Quite sit very well, but yeah, it was, um, just the last few miles just kind of got the, those heavy legs, but, uh, my pace was still decent. And, and where started, were you at that point? Were you at fifth or fourth or when, when did you make the shift to um, where you were in third? Yeah. So I passed, I, I made the pass for third at let's see here 1920 I think it was actually pretty close to 1920 miles okay so you were chasing pretty much the whole time you were chasing mm-hmm. down okay so then you yeah. finally when you saw the who was it in front of you that you passed to, to go into third um Melanie McQuaid okay so you see her then you know mm-hmm. obviously you gained on her you passed her Mm-hmm. Was that like a, a boost and, of, okay, now I've got to hold this? Does that add an extra pressure uh, to get into third? <laughs> well, props to Mel because she didn't make the pass easy. And I told her this after the race. Oh, she actually put in a surge oh, as I was passing. I was oh, like, oh, darn. I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh thanks, for, thanks for that. It was just kind of like a kick in the gut. Yeah. Um, but I did know that I was averaging about 30 seconds a mile faster. So, she so could, yeah, she I was, knew the pass yeah. was inevitable and I just had yeah. to keep doing what I was doing and I would be fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was, that was pretty much the focus, but yeah, the pass wasn't an easy pass. So props to her for, for making it harder. Making it hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, so once I did make the pass, it's just kind of like back to back to action. And when I look at that mile, I think, the the mile with the pass in it was my second one of my I was maybe my second fastest mile of the day I think oh, wow. okay so okay. yeah so she so there was a little bit of um, extra energy spent around that and yeah. I think it was 
it was definitely a match that I had to burn. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to feel this in a few miles, but I just, I'm going to do it and just hope for the best. And um, with a few miles to go, I was really kind of crunching numbers because I knew at this point that the record was in sight. And so, oh, goodness. yeah, so I was just like, all right, just, just try, come on legs, like just keep going, just keep going. And um, the course was a little bit long, probably almost a quarter mile because when I hit 26.2 on my watch, I'm like, I'm there. Where's the finish line? Oh, I don't see anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to go. Oh, um, no. so I was like, just keep running, just keep running. And then I finally saw the finish and I was like, okay. Um, they, people always tell you enjoy the finish line. Right. So like take yeah. your time, give some high fives, wave to the crowd, enjoy the finish line. It's been a long day. Yeah. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I will enjoy the finish line if I get the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I did, I just kind of put in one last sprint and just gave it what I had. And the second I crossed the finish line, honestly, it's funny. I, I could have sworn there was like this hill, like a down, <laughs> like a downhill after the finish line. <laughs> yeah. My legs just buckled. And then I just asked Andrew, did I get it? <laughs> oh my yeah, so. and meanwhile he's going nuts at this point i'm sure mm -hmm. um yeah and yeah we saw you buck and i mean you truly burned every last match you had but i mean what was that feeling just to know what you had come back from and, and honestly also just to finish the year this way i mean it just sets oh. you up for next year like it makes everything bad that happened this year and all the challenges so much more worth it because you yeah. overcame them and finished like this. I mean, that's incredible. It's, it is nice to end the year on a high, you know, last season I ended the year in winning Indian Wells. Um, and this year ending it, well, I, I'm still doing racing Indian Wells again in a week. Um, oh, but still like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so, but this is still ending the year on a high and yeah, it, you don't, you don't always get that lucky yeah. to, to end the year like that. You know, a lot of athletes don't end their year on a high and they have to be, figure out a way to be okay with that and yeah. then find motivation for going into their block of training. That's usually one of the hardest blocks of the year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely puts me in a good headspace. You know, I'm obviously very excited about next year because I'm seeing so much progress with my swim. Um, and that's just been like the one thing that's really been holding me back in my career. So um, the faster I get the swim, the better my performances will be across the board. So that's encouraging. Yeah. yeah. So what's, what's making the biggest difference in the swim? I mean, as, as challenge swimmer, I, everyone would love to know that. What are you thinking yeah. is making the biggest difference for you in the swim? So my um, longtime swim coach that I've worked with has done a really, really great job of giving me a good base with swimming. I have um, a lot of volume um, mm -hmm. under me, but I did kind of feel like I needed to, you know, change things up to um, really fix my stroke. Yeah, I felt like I got to a point where I was doing a lot of the same things over and over and I would have, I'd have some progress, but it was really slow progress. So I'm just was thinking, you know, what am I doing mechanically 
that needs to change because I didn't want to keep reinforcing bad habits. Right. Um, which effectively is what I was doing for a long time. Right. And so I've been consulting with um, Eni Jones. Okay. Um, she is amazing. Uh, she is a, gosh, um, she has so many accolades. I, I don't even know what to tell you, uh, but she's won like world championship races in open water swimming. Um, she has a lot of accolades in the pool. Um, but she also, not just her accolades, but she has a very unique way of conceptualizing swimming. Okay. Um, and a different way of employing um, specific drills that are, you know, targeted to exactly what you need. Okay. Uh, she has a specific way of how she uses equipment in okay. her training to help you feel what you should be feeling okay. um, in the water. And so working with her has been really, I don't want to say life-changing kind of Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to my swim. Um, it was, you know, it's always hard kind of changing things up or switching coaches uh, because there's a lot of trust that you build with somebody and then to sure. go to somebody new, it's like you have to re you have to start over again. And it took a few weeks to kind of let go of the reins and just right. really start trusting the process. Yeah. Um, but I've been with her now for eight weeks. Um, and I mean, every time I get in the pool, I set some sort of PR. I swam this morning and set a PR in the hundred again, oh, you know, wow. and <laughs> so it's consistently seeing progress has been really great. Oh, that's so exciting, Danielle. And no, you, I mean, it's true. You know, you can have the best swimmer, but there's such a talent in knowing how to teach, you know, how to teach swim and how to, because not everybody picks it up super easy or super fast or, mm -mm. you know, or, or can get the feel. And, and a lot of times people's approach is just volume, volume, volume. And it's like, you know, some of the worst swimmers can be in the best swimming shape because they're still finishing, even though it's slow, but you know, their technique's so bad, they're, they're, they're putting in a lot of fitness to be able to finish how they finish. Um, mm -hmm. And, it, you know, just correcting some of those things and teaching them that. So that's amazing. Good for you. I'll have to check her out. Well, yeah. Well, even, you know, we haven't even been doing that much volume. It's just, I've been in the pool almost every day and it's anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. It's not uh -huh. that much time, but it's very yeah. focused work. Um, and it's a lot of it is really focused on the mechanics of swimming. And that is really what got me through Arizona. And, and I could tell because at about 3K into the swim, I could feel kind of that muscular fatigue that I would have had with more volume. Yeah. But we just, we couldn't do the volume with improper mechanics. So it's right. like, well, what, what do you fix? Let's fix right. the mechanics first and the volume will come yeah 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 and you'll be so much more efficient well that's also so exciting and it, to see that progress that had to feel so incredible coming out mm -hmm. right at your goal pace uh for this race that's so exciting so yeah watch out next year because uh, when when your swim becomes then you know like your run and bike you're gonna be completely unstoppable uh mm -hmm. that's crazy that's that's so exciting. Well, exciting thanks for that yeah we um we're in the process of building up a new bike actually uh, because one of the issues that I've had with my current setup is that it is, it's a felt IA, but it's a rim brake, which is fine. But I'm also one of like the last pros on earth to have a rim brake, which yeah. I don't really care what everybody else is doing. You know, if this is yeah. me, this is what I've got. But the issue is that um, we can't run 
uh, tubeless because uh, my frame can only accommodate a 23 millimeter width tire and the tubeless setups are compatible with 25. Oh, um, and so we want to take away, <laughs> I think basically like the same day of the race, my husband's like, all right, we've got to get rid of this clincher setup. We've got to go tubeless um, because your risk of flatting is a lot less. So yeah, anyways, we're <laughs> fixing it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And so to finish out the year, you've got Indian Wells and then um you know how are you feeling about that going into is it kind of like an afterthought now that you've already had the most incredible race of your uh, life? <laughs> I, I just like to think of maybe hopefully like the cherry on top of the cake right yeah it's kind of there's no pressure going into Indian no Wells. pressure no pressure yeah I always had this whole year I've been saying I'll do Indian Wells if I can cross Arizona finish line in one piece and I yeah. feel like I'm mostly in one piece there's I but I can also tell my body's ready for a break you kind of start feeling some you know twinges of pain here and there and yeah it's like okay you know your body wants to kind of shut things down but uh, I think that I've got one more good race in me so we'll uh yeah I mean we'll we'll give it a shot you know I've spent this past week really recovering I had my first workout yesterday um so there's no expectations I just Really, my whole goal is to have a fast swim. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just go blast yeah. that swim and, you know, have that be your biggest goal is let me go take this, all this swim progress that I've made and let me just go showcase it once more before the season ends. Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, we all know you can bike and run. That's no doubt at all. Mm -hmm. Goodness, that's awesome. Um, well, good, Danielle. Thank you so much for just taking the time to take us through this. Um, I think you're just such an example to all of us of, you know, like we we're saying, just the endurance mindset of, you know, facing a year that had, you know, a lot of challenges It had, you know, it had ups, you had incredible ups. I know Alcatraz was an incredible race for you, but it also had its equal amount of downs for you. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you, you were able to turn that and, and, you know, let it fuel your fire. And even in the race, I think it was just such a good example of, you know, here we are again, a flat, um, why me? Uh, but you didn't mm -hmm. let it stop you and you came back and, you know, the way you ran your heart out was just uh, incredible. We were all so excited to cheer you on. So before we close, I just want to share, you know, just share with us, I, you know, how do you, how has the waterfall racing community impacted you this year? I know um, as an age grouper, it's so exciting to, you know, to follow you guys, to support you guys and I just, you know, want to know if, if you feel that support from the community. I mean, what is it? What has been the difference this year racing, knowing that you, you know, you come back to the Discord and you see all of our comments, um, you know, cheering you on throughout the day. How has that impacted you this year? Oh, gosh, I, I mean, I love being part of a team, you know, and triathlon, we all know it's a very individual sport, but it also takes it really takes a village to get an athlete to the start line from mm -hmm. your, your immediate family support. Obviously they have to be really bought into you spending hours and hours and hours a week mm -hmm. doing this and then traveling all over the world for some. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it does, it takes a village. You have your coaches, you've got your physical therapists, you've got your pets that are there for your emotional support. <laughs> and I'm with <laughs> As I'm looking at mine right now, um, but it can also be a lonely sport. Even yeah. when you have your village, it can still feel lonely, especially on those 
long bike rides when you would rather be doing something else, yeah. you know, and, yeah. in, in, in every single person, no matter what level you're at, there's generally a lot of workouts and you're like, Oh, I don't want to do this today. Yeah. You know, I'd, I, I'd rather be spending some time with my family. Um, but this is what I'm committed to. These are the goals I'm going after. So this is just what I'm going to do today. It, so when you're alone, you don't have that team. Those moments become even harder. Yeah. But when you have your team, when you have a team like Waterfall, and you know there's a bunch of people that are all like-minded like you, they're all suffering, right? Yeah. But it's it's that hashtag that Waterfall uses, solo but never alone. Yeah, I love it. So Waterfall takes out just that, you know, from it being just solo but makes it solo, but never alone, because you know, you have your team, you have people that are also suffering in their own ways. They're all going for their goals. They're, you know, in the trenches with you. And um, it just makes it so much better. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter that I'm a pro like that. That's meaningless. Like we are all people, we're all athletes and we're all working towards very similar goals and being the best that we can be. And that's uh, been really big for me. So thanks for having me on the team. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No. And it's fun. I would say as an AG from my perspective, this is, it's just fun to get insight, you know, because it, it really mm-hmm. makes it like you're saying it. Yes, you guys are performing on a completely different level, but to be able to tap into your mindset helps us come mm-hmm. back and reach our goals, you know, whether it's wanting to dominate our age group or qualify for Kona or even just complete a a race. You know, there's all levels in the waterfall community and we all have our specific goals that are no more or less important. And so to have, you know, that community is huge. And so we appreciate, you know, all the time you put into, um, you know, helping and encouraging us. And I hope you feel just as much love coming back at you. So uh, we'll be cheering you on at Indian Mm -hmm. Wells and we are excited to see you'll have to share you know um, on your social what your your season looks like um people can go follow you on your social on instagram you're you're really good on i'm putting stuff up there and uh we are looking forward to uh danielle in 2023 it's going to be a lot to watch i'm excited i know you you're going to do well well thank you and i hope that i get to see you at some races here pretty soon too Uh, oh yeah absolutely absolutely um hopefully we have a few races that cross over well thanks so much danielle uh go get ready for indian wells we'll be cheering you on and we will catch up with you i'm promising a later episode on alcatraz because that's a bucket list race for me so selfishly i want to hear all about it as well so uh we'll catch up with you later for that episode thanks so much danielle all right thanks joy Well, before we jump into the Mindset Minute, I want to remind you to go check out our Waterfall Racing Pro Project. I don't know of anybody else doing anything like this. You must be a member to put your name in to get the chance to win this incredible opportunity. It's going to be so exciting to track and see you know, the person that gets this opportunity to see how far they can go. So go check that out. I know you have into December to possibly qualify for that. And as for me, I will be headed down to Clash Daytona. It's always a good time down there. I won't be competing, obviously. Unfortunately, I'm still recovering 
the Jingo Jog 5K is actually uh, on the top of my list. It's funny how perspective changes, but at this point, I would be happy just to complete that and um, you know walk through those amazing lights. But I will be speaking on the women's panel, which is uh, probably the first time I've gotten the opportunity to do something like that. So I'm looking forward to that, as well as cheering on all of my favorite athletes and pros. And we're going to have just a great time in the Florida sun down there. But for our mindset minute, I want to wrap it up with um, you know staying on Danielle Lewis and her mindset as she took on Iron Man Arizona uh, in one of her posts she referenced that you know obviously when you start a race your goal is to win but as the race day goes on and the cards start to change that win may look a little different and you're going to have to look for different wins uh, if everything isn't going as planned and um, you know the main goal is to still pursue the wins that are possible in the race as the cards change and to not quit on yourself. And she did exactly that and was able to actually pull off uh, some incredible wins despite the day not going as planned. So remember that. Don't quit on yourself. There's always a win out there for you to pursue. It just might look a little differently than you originally planned. Well, thanks for joining us today on our Waterfall Racing Podcast. Hopefully there were some good takeaways for you. And hopefully it gave you a little bit more insight into who we are. If you would like to find out more or join our community, go to waterfallracing.com. You can find us on Instagram as well. If you have a mailbag question that you would like us to answer, send me a DM at jmcadams5 on Instagram. We'll be answering some of those questions in future episodes. And remember, when it comes to training, Sometimes it's just about showing up. I love the mantra, anything's better than nothing. Not every session is going to go perfect, but show up. Consistency is always king. Happy training.